Hello, everybody. My name is Anthony. And I'm Holly. Welcome to episode 41 of Welcome to Primetime. Today, we are going to be discussing uh, four movies that we have watched recently um, and just kind of talking about them and giving our thoughts and all that kind of stuff. So um, without further ado, I think we're just going to jump right in this episode. Um, So kicking off our list of recent watches is uh, a movie called Promising Young Woman from 2020, uh, directed by a lady named Emerald Fennell, I believe is how you say her last name. And... um, this movie stars uh, Carrie Mulligan, uh, who plays a character called Cassandra. Bo Burnham plays Ryan, and Allison Brie plays a character uh, named Madison. And I'm going to turn it over to Holly and let her tell you more about it. Yeah, so this follows kind of a woman's revenge um, about something that happens in her past with a best friend in, in college. Um, it's made pretty clear at the very beginning um, that this is kind of like like a, a revenge of like a, a rape. Um, so if you're sensitive to those type of topics, probably not watch this one. Um, it's pretty dark in that aspect, but it does have a lot of lighter comedy notes, which I really enjoyed. Um, it was also nice to see Bo Burnham in another kind of realm other than stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty cool that um, that he was in it. He I felt like his acting was was pretty good, um, especially considering like you know I, I know that he he's one of those comedians who sort sort of branches out and does other things too because he's been in several movies, but I actually don't know if I if I've seen him in a, any other um, setting besides stand up. Really, I know that he has been in several other movies, but I don't know that I've actually uh, watched them or not. Yeah. So it was kind of cool to see him in this role and. Um, and even in like a serious, more serious movie like this one, yeah. it's nice to see because um, I see that he's been in like The Big Sick, which is kind of a romantic comedy, um, funny people with, uh, is that Adam Sandler? Yeah, that's funny sort people? of a, that's kind of a dramatic, dramatic comedy, comedy as well. Yeah. And I mean, this, this is, is a, there's, there's elements of comedy here in this movie as well and Promising a Woman, but um yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the overall tone of it, like it definitely had its moments where you're like, yeah, and, and mm-hmm. it makes you laugh out loud and or in other parts, but there's other parts of it that are very serious. And um, I don't want to, you know, it, it is a new movie. We try to avoid spoilers as much as we can regardless. But um, it, without getting into the plot too heavy, um, I kind of feel, yeah, like Holly, like Holly said, it is a sort of um, rape revenge type movie. Um, you never really see um anything explicit or anything like that is never mm-hmm. really shown there you hear an you hear she's watching a video of it well that one of her friends kind of um shows her um later on in the movie and you you hear the audio of the video but you never actually are shown the video or anything like that mm-hmm. so there are the the elements and the overtones and everything in the story of of a you know a rape revenge setup kind of like that but uh you never explicitly shown it and um which is I, I feel like is good because I don't think it was really necessary to show it anyway in, yeah, in this movie. Definitely um, not. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it is there. I would say it's probably eighty percent serious, twenty percent kind of um, funny, and sort of I don't know if funny is the right word to use in a in a it, rape revenge story, but it does have like kind of lighthearted comedic elements in yeah. certain parts of the story. And it also has parts of the story where it's like it's funny because it's true. So like there are parts where I was kind of laughing about so there's a part where she gets catcalled on the street um by some construction workers and I found that kind of relatable 
to me because I've experienced that kind of thing before. And so I laugh because it was relatable. Like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just just again, like, sorry, I kind of went off on a little side note there. But just to, to give you a little bit more of the plot. So so she is um, her. Um, sorry, Cassandra, her uh, Carrie Mulligan's character. Um, is she essentially kind of goes out on the town each night or each each week and um, kind of sort of, I, I guess the right word, would you say seduces these kind of skeezy men? So um, she acts drunk in front of these men, and yeah. the men offer to take her home, um, and she sees how they act, um, how they treat her whenever she's intoxicated. Um, so that's basically what it is. And if they try to take advantage of her, then she teaches them a lesson in whatever way is appropriate <laughs> for each person. Yeah. And there are several uh, people in this movie that she teaches a lesson to that goes into some pretty um, like uh, you think it's kind of going into like, I mean, it, some of it does go into a, a dark place and then others you're like, oh, my gosh, like, wow, I can't believe she's, you know, she's going to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I have to be careful with what I say because I don't want to I don't want to ruin it. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it was like, it, it was really good. I, I felt, I mean, even as a, as a guy, like I felt that I kind of, I was in on the joke of the movie and, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't like, you know, it just felt like I was, um, I was able to appreciate it. And I, and I realized like, and I noticed that, um, the, the kind of nods and, and like jokes that it was kind of poking at the, this, the, um, just all the things that it was kind of poking fun at uh, as like the, the chads and brads of the movie <laughs> and like the, yeah, the, all the bros and everything who, yeah. you know, like, um, there, for instance, there's a scene with, um, the guy, I can't remember what his name is. Um, he plays, uh, oh, Christopher Mintz Blass. Uh, he plays this guy named Neil and, uh, I just know him as McLovin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he plays, a he, he's a, one of the guys that, um, that he, that brings, um, Allison or excuse me Cassandra home and in that scene he just like all the he's like I'm a good guy I'm a good guy and you know it's all the the normal things that you hear um that this movie kind of pokes holes in and makes fun of and things like that and so you know she's like oh I'm you're a good guy like what's my name and he doesn't even know her first name and, yeah um it's obvious that you know he was just bringing her there to to take advantage of her and stuff and so I feel like this movie kind of takes those normal uh elements that even that we see sometimes in movies and things like that you know um we we see a lot of that especially in movies like um like lifetime movies and things like that oh, where yeah. you know and this movie takes those those um kind of i guess standards or whatever if you want to call it that and kind of turns it flips it upside down on its and head. the good guy and, narrative yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> the good guy narrative is that's a good way to describe yeah, it actually like, so. i'm a good guy why why do the good guys always not get the girl yeah and it's obvious like that you know basically nobody in this movie uh save for maybe just a couple of people uh are actual good guys and so yeah, um, I I enjoyed it a lot overall. Um, we we all watched this together. Me and Holly and my sister uh, came to stay with us and watched this movie uh, together. And I actually ended up giving it four and a half out of five on my letterbox. So wow, I really liked it a lot. Just, um, just for you guys out there, um, Anthony never gives anything five stars, so it's a big deal when we cut close to it sometimes because <laughs> his general rating for you know like a good movie that impresses him is like four four stars. 
you know, he doesn't give ratings lightly, which is one of the things I appreciate about you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I've said this. I might have said this on another episode. I don't know. I I can't really remember. But I I don't like to dole out five star ratings to everything because I feel like it kind of loses some of its its power. Like, I feel like five stars is reserved for the the top of the top like something that really blew me away and it feels like rolling stones gives everything five stars (laughs) (laughs) and yeah i mean like this year i've only given i mean granted not a whole lot of um new stuff has come out but i've been going back and watching stuff and catching up on it but like this year the only thing i've given five stars so far uh out of like 40 movies that i've watched is two things i've given uh sound of metal five stars which actually i don't think we talked about on this this show no i haven't watched it oh well that's that's why why. (laughs) (laughs) and also minari which we did talk about because minari was fantastic and i think that everybody should watch them anyway my point was i think that um if you give everything five stars then it's kind of like well you know like are we really gonna listen to that guy he he loves everything you know yeah and and not to say that you can't appreciate a movie and give it four stars because if i give something four stars i think it was really good a lot of things i watch i give four stars um but yeah anyway yeah that's my that's sort of a, a little look into my ra- my rating system actually the the most i'm looking at my letterbox right now and the most um my most popular rating is a, a four star rating i'm given a few things two and a half three yeah. stars so he's yeah he's not harsh he, yeah, yeah i don't mean to, uh yeah i don't i don't want to sound no. like i'm not fair uh but yeah uh, i've uh yeah i've given 148 different movies four star ratings mm-hmm. so yeah yeah yep yep all we right digress. anyway <laughs> so off on that little tangent real quick <laughs> um so next on our list is um leave her to heaven uh from 1945 yeah it was directed by john m stall um and it follows the story of uh richard richard harlan and he's a young novelist who meets um, a lady, her name is Ellen Barrett, Barrent, is that right? Ellen yeah, Barrent. Barrent, yep. Yeah, on a train. Um, they start a relationship, they fall in love. In um, typical 1945 yeah. fashion, they get married 30 minutes later. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, she quickly becomes obsessive and um, kind of controlling of him. Um, she does a lot of shocking things. Um can I add what those are since this is like an older movie or, I mean, it says it in the description on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a really spoilery description. Yeah. Okay, so if you if you have not seen Leave Her to Heaven and you want to watch it without any sort of spoilers other than, you know, she does some pretty shocking things and cause she becomes very controlling of, of her new husband. Mm-hmm. Um, skip ahead a couple of minutes because um, we're going to maybe just spoil a couple of things. We'll try to do our best without spoiling it. Yeah. um completely yeah. but yeah I, I feel like that if it says it in the letterbox description then i mean i don't know i kind of yeah. feel like <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, what, what i will say is that um she becomes very jealous of richard's handicapped brother danny um and then she becomes jealous of even her own child that she's carrying Basically, she just wants to be the center of attention 24 7. she wants to be the only one in his life yep yeah and she starts to become jealous of anybody and everybody her 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 sister um dan uh, um richard's brother danny like holly said and then um as the story progresses even her own child 
And um, this movie actually, I feel like, goes to some pretty um, dark places, yeah. especially for a 1945 movie. Uh, and I actually have to give my sister a shout out because she picked this one out when we went yeah. to the uh, video room. She's like, this looks really good. And I actually, I, I really enjoyed this one. I think I gave it four stars, yeah. uh, actually. Yep. And uh, yep, four, just confirming. I don't want to, <laughs> I, I don't want to give out any misinformation on our, on our very own podcast. Oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, it also stars Vincent Price, which I thought was pretty cool. He plays a guy named uh, Russell Quinton, which if I remember correctly was her like, uh, it was her fiance. Yeah, because she broke off the relation with, with relationship with to be with. Yeah, which is not a spoiler. Yeah. That actually happens yeah. pretty early on in the movie. Um, it, it, you know, she just meets this guy on a train, and they literally, I think they get married. What, like a couple of weeks later or something like that? No, it's that? like it's like three days. Oh, later. it's like three days. It's, yeah. it's very quick. It's they don't even quick. have a wedding. I don't yeah. think. I think they just like they're like, no, we're married now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this. I think the copy that we rented was a Criterion um, collection one, and the transfer it, looked really, oh, really yeah. good. It was great. Um, the sound was good, everything. Yeah, and it, it actually it clocks in at almost two hours. Uh, it's an hour and 50 minutes. And I mean, I felt like, I mean, you never really felt any of its length as far as, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it didn't feel like it was a... Sometimes in, in older movies, like a lot of them can kind of tend to be, you know, an hour 20, hour 30 on the dot. Yeah. And um, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I love older movies. Um, but sometimes even at an hour 20, hour 30 um, in the really heavy, like really dialogue heavy older movies, you can sort of start to feel some of that length even at an hour and 20 or hour 30, you know, yeah. and then with this one running at an hour 50. Um, I never really felt any of that length because it was like, oh my gosh, like what is, what's Ellen going to do next? You know? Yeah. And, uh, it's like, you know, it's almost that sort of thing of like, you know, dang, you pretty crazy. <laughs> and I think what helps with this is that a lot of older movies are kind of set in the same like place for a long period of time. Like scenes yeah. are generally longer. And like you said, more dialogue heavy. This is just my observation. I'm by no means an expert, but with this one, they she has a PhD. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> a phd and bs in my way through <laughs> film lingo <laughs> the whole reason we started this podcast because <laughs> you are way more knowledgeable than i am but anyways i digress um so i noticed that this this tends to shift locations a lot especially for it does yeah because yeah. they, they're in warm springs for a time warm springs georgia um and then they have the back of the moon Back of it. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah the, the cabin. The cabin that they stay at. And then at, there's yeah. the place in like Colorado that they stay at. The ski yeah, lodge. They kind of so jump around a lot. They jump a lot uh, around quite a bit. And so I think that also kind of helped is that there was always, they were always moving somewhere going, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so I, we both enjoyed it a lot. I think my sister enjoyed it. Um, solid, you know, four star movie. I feel like, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, again, this one's called Leave Her to Heaven. It's directed by a guy named John M. Stahl. Yeah, shout so. out to Alyssa and shout out to Videodrome. Yeah, keeping <laughs> us stocked on movies, always. Yeah, always. Since All right. 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling along to uh, movie number three. Um, so this one is a very different direction <laughs> than the two previous ones that we talked about. Uh, this one's called The Raid from 2011, uh, directed by Gareth Evans. Um, and so if you listen to the previous episode, uh, episode 40, you, then you heard me and Matt kind of discuss this, uh, just for a couple of minutes. I kind of went very brief and, and talked about, you know, just the fact that I watched it and gave a little bit of, uh, the story, but, um, 
this is truly one of the craziest movies I've ever watched. Uh, it is an hour and 40 minutes of nonstop, um, just chaos. Um, it, it's, it's basically about, um, it, it takes, takes place in Jakarta, uh, Indonesia. And, uh, it's in this, this slum. Um, and there's like a, basically this impenetrable safe house, um, for like, it basically just houses a bunch of Jakarta's the most notorious gangsters and drug dealers and killers and all that kind of stuff. And, um, it's essentially considered untouchable even by the like the most uh esteemed police officers and and all that and so um anyway these these 20 like elite cops i think it's basically like uh indonesia's version or jakarta's version of swat um try to go in and and take down this um this notorious drug lord and and um basically what happens from there is their their plan there it seems everything seems to be going according to plan and then a spotter sees them and alerts everybody in the building and then from there the 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 crime lord the drug lord whatever you want to call him basically tells all of the tenants that live there that if um they kill these cops that have invaded their building that they can all live there forever rent free oh and so once <laughs> yeah so once he tells them that it's on and everybody, there's 15 floors, and all, and they have the 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 guy they're looking for is on the 15th floor, and they have to fight through 14 floors of just nonstop like people coming after them and trying to kill them with knives and guns and just straight up fist martial arts, and it's just complete chaos. It kind of reminded me like the way that the tenants moved kind of reminded me of like a zombie film. Yeah, like they, World War Z they were, zombies. yeah, they were f- like flailing and running after people and just like piling on top. I was, mm-hmm. and at certain points, there was so many people that were in like the frame, you know, there'd be 20, 30 people trying to like pile on top of everybody. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, I mean, from, from start to finish, it's just absolute chaos. So I would highly recommend this one if you're looking for a crazy action movie. Um, so full disclosure, Holly didn't watch the whole thing with me, but I, I do, you know, I mean, she watched like a good, half of it maybe even three quarters of it with me um so i want to kind of get your thoughts on it too just yeah. what you saw i think it was a wild ride like every time like if i took my my like if i took my eyes off the screen for like two seconds because I, I was playing candy crush partly <laughs> partly because she's this. an old lady i'm an old lady i go to bed early because <laughs> <laughs> i have to get up early and plays and, candy crush yes and i play candy crush um and the soda pop version whenever i run out of lives on the regular one um I digress again. But anyways, it was late when he started the <laughs> It was late when he started the movie, so I was halfway engaged in it. But Yes, every, what did you think of the movie? Yes, but every time, <laughs> back to what I was saying, every time I took my eyes off the screen, you were like, oh, dang, and I felt like I was missing something all the time every time I looked down. Um, but when I was up, it was like overstimulation. It kind of reminded me of like uncut gems, how they were say, all yeah. yelling at each other. It was just like nonstop, like people coming at them. They got no break. Even when there was a break, like there was nothing but tension in the break between people. Mm-hmm. It was it was insane. Yeah. It was insane. It is a wild movie. I kind of feel like it's Indonesia's version of like John Wick or um the Expendables or something like that. You yeah. know, just these like crazy action movies that are um or like yeah. Doom, like the video game, you know, like yeah, you hit like, combos and stuff, and you're just ripping through the the demons. Yeah, definitely not like a um, the because there is a movie version of Doom too. Oh, I, would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare it to the movie version. I think what you were saying, the, video the, the game, game version. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could see like if if it was like a real, yeah, um, like an actual good version of the Doom 
uh, video game turned into a movie. Just that chaos that yeah, the game had. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, speaking of heavy metal music, Lincoln Park didn't, didn't somebody from Lincoln Park also do a score for this movie, and that's the version that you watched. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mike Shinoda did a, yeah. a version of the the score. Uh, it gave it gave you the option to choose between the actual composer um, of the movie or Mike Shinoda's score. Um, and I, I and from my understanding, there's two different versions of it. At least that's the the Blu-ray menu made that pretty clear. But um, I don't know. I watched an interview with with Mike Shinoda as well as he was, you know, kind of going through and talking about his process for the score. And um, it kind of seemed like his interview kind of made it seem like there was he was the only one who like there was two people who worked on it, but they gave me um, they gave me two different options for the score and then it was him and then there was another guy who was kind of like the almost like a producer um so i i don't know it was a little confusing because in his interview it kind of made it sound like he was the only one who had worked on it like there was only one version of the score right i don't really know if anybody out there knows how many versions of the score there are to the raid you can let us know i Mm -hmm. guess but uh, (laughs) um anyway yeah there so but the version that i watched was pretty cool i enjoyed um I enjoyed the like what was there. It was kind of you. Could, there was certain parts where you could kind of tell like, oh yeah, that's definitely got some you know Mike Shinoda Lincoln Park sort of influence. And I guess it, you know if you think about like um, their their remix sessions that they did, the like um, it's kind of like that. There's not a lot of like um, guitar or anything like that. I think they mostly use like distorted synths and stuff yeah, like that, like which very is very industrial. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was neat. So anyway, if you're looking for a crazy over-the-top action movie, uh, The Raid is definitely uh, what you want to go with. And there's another one, which I'm very excited to watch. Um, just quick little fact. I haven't watched the second one yet, but so the first one's an hour and 50 minutes. The second one is two and a half hours. Oh, wow. And I heard it's even crazier than the first one, so I'm pretty excited to, to watch that one. So whenever I watch it or whenever we watch it, I'll report back to you guys and let you know what we thought. So um, this episode is going to be relatively short. We only have one more left to talk about, um, to the best of my knowledge, unless I'm misremembering. Uh, and that one is a big one. Um, it is Godzilla versus Kong. And uh, we watched this on HBO Max uh, the other night. And um, we kind of like turned all the lights off and then turned on our uh, backlight for our TV and had the cool like purple lights going on and set the tone for all the neon and the cool fight but we'll get to that in a minute but uh, so uh set up for this movie um so godzilla versus kong um it's directed by adam wingard it stars um alexander skarsgard and millie bobby brown um our girl 11 from stranger things (laughs) but also known as madison russell in this movie um she is also accompanied by uh julian dennison who you some of you guys might know from the search for the wilder people um it's by the same director uh who did what we do in the shadows i don't know how to pronounce his name i always i always flub it so i'm not gonna try <laughs> oh um, yeah, yeah. I, I know yeah i can't I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name either um yeah but yeah <laughs> you, you know who we're talking about yeah you all know you all know you, you know and you love him anyways uh so this takes place uh five years after godzilla king of monsters mm-hmm. um in a time of peace where they haven't had any disruptions from the titans and all of a sudden godzilla comes out of the ocean and um attacks somewhere in florida 
Yeah, yeah I think it's in like uh, Gulf Coast. I want to say for some reason I feel like it said Pensacola. Yeah, Pensacola. Is that where it was? Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. And Pensacola um, looks like an absolute wasteland in this movie, so they got yes, it right. They did. Just kidding. <laughs> if you live in Pensacola, we love you. <laughs> yeah. So um, it kind of follows like three three different stories. Um, so it follows the um, head of Apex who is trying to find a way to defeat Godzilla, somehow tap into his radioactive power. Um, You have the people he has hired to find the source of his power, and you have uh, Millie Bobby Brown and her crew of conspiracy theorists trying to figure out what Apex is really up to. Yeah, and I I thought it was interesting because, um, you know, towards the beginning, I was like, why why is Godzilla, um, you know, attacking this, like, just attacking people because he, mm-hmm. he doesn't you know like i don't know i don't really know godzilla to just kind of like come in at least and not in the maybe in another version of the godzilla movies but not like in the the version that we've had over you know starting in 2014 with the just you know godzilla and then king of the monsters and stuff like that it doesn't really seem like he just attacks people like unprovoked you know yeah and so mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting to see him attack people uh, or you know or attack like a base and things like that and so um, as the movie plays out, you kind of start to understand why he's attacking uh, this particular base or these people that work at this base and things like that. Because, um, yeah, I can't really tell you why because it's a massive spoiler. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so there is a reason. And as the movie progresses, you kind of learn um, the reason as to why he is attacking this particular base. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So anyway, from there. Yeah. In this movie, we get our first glance um, of a place called Hollow Earth that's been talked about in Skull Island. I'm not sure if it was talked about in King of the Monsters. It was talked about in King of the Monsters. I don't I don't know if they talked about it in Skull Island or not. I think the first mention of it was in King of the Monsters, actually. Um, But but I think we get our first look, actual look at it here in this movie. Yes. So it is theorized that instead of. Um, the typical scientific theory that the Earth has a molten core. These people believe that there's actually a jungle ecosystem in the middle of the Earth um, where the Titans have originated from. Yeah, and um, there's like radioactive, um, like radioactive waves that are there, which is what allows them to to grow to such a massive yeah. size. Yeah. So in the movie, they're basically trying to get Kong back to his origin spot um, to maybe keep. Godzilla and Kong from fighting so much too because they can't contain him. Um, they have him in this kind of facility, um, and he's growing tired of it. At the very beginning, he actually throws a giant tree <laughs> through <laughs> through the roof of this ecosystem, um, and so they're trying to find him a place that he's going to be happy. From one point of the movie, but Apex has some other intentions, which are um, pretty true from the very beginning. Um, so yeah, we, we get to see Hollow Earth, pretty cool place. Um, and then also, you know, there's the giant monster fight in the middle. <laughs> yeah, um, which is, you know, obviously what we're all really here for. Oh, yeah. Um, I Okay, so I, I went in and I had heard from a lot of people that um, there was, you know, way too much human drama, blah, 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 blah. Um, and maybe maybe from hearing that there was so much human drama, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, like, um, I was just, maybe I had like set myself up to, to kind of be ready and expect them for like, you know, like an hour and a half of human drama and like 20 minutes of act of action. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really feel like it was that I kind of felt like the, you, you have to have something to kind of tether 
the the story like you you know to to kind of ground the movie yeah otherwise it's like two hours of godzilla and kong fighting which probably would have been cool but like also you know you've been like okay what's the reason and i kind of feel Mm -hmm. like with these type movies where there's like two monsters fighting or you know it's this big like clash of titans sort of thing um you're gonna have people on both sides you're gonna have people who are like there's too much story there wasn't enough fighting but then if you have too much fighting people are in like, there's too much fighting there wasn't enough story like why are they fighting why you know and so i kind of felt like this one struck a good balance and i feel like um godzilla the king of the monsters also struck a good balance uh, which is kind of funny to me because i go back and i look at the ratings of the 2014 godzilla movie mm-hmm. which i felt i really did feel like there was entirely too much human drama in that one and you barely got to see godzilla like i think i was telling you the other day it kind of felt like Cloverfield in the way of like you barely see Godzilla until the last couple of minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, if I'm remembering that one correctly. And in King of the Monsters, you get all this action and the uh, the 2014 Godzilla has a higher rating than King of the Monsters does. And uh, so I don't know. I kind of feel like you just as a director, as a as a filmmaker, you kind of have to just find a good balance. And I, and I personally feel like this one had a good balance of action and story. Um, I per- I particularly love the the scene the the fight scene that was shown in the trailer of them fighting in Hong Kong with oh, all the yeah. the neon lights and the epic uh, soundtrack behind it and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was really cool. Um, overall, I mean, you, you know, I feel like it was really entertaining, and mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we get like a director's cut of this one too, like whenever it comes out on Blu-ray. Um, because in all honesty, it was, it was a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. I kind of yeah. felt like, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. I was like, Oh, that'll easily be like two and a half hours, you know? And it was like an hour and 53 minutes. Yeah. Um, so I feel like at some point we'll get, you know, and WB is kind of notorious for, for cutting stuff anyway. Uh, yeah. you know, like me and Matt were just talking the other day about, um, how with, um, justice league. You know, it, yeah. the, the director's cuts four over four hours long and the theatrical version that was released was two hours. That's two hours of footage that was cut. Like how much footage was cut, you know, how much footage did WB cut from um, Godzilla vs. Kong? And I guess maybe at some point we'll find out if there was some. I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was some footage. Yeah, there at always least. is. There's always yeah. footage that's cut. So, you know, just so we'll, I guess maybe we'll see how much at some point. But overall, I, I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I can't remember. I think I gave it three and a half stars, may, maybe four. Uh, and, and, you know, that's subject to change under, you know, another uh, viewing. And it looks like I gave it four, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And that could waver, you know, to maybe three and a half or so uh, upon a rewatch. But I feel like it's a pretty solid four star movie. I mean, you know, for what it is, uh, a, a crazy epic action sci fi movie, I felt like the story was relatively grounded as it could be, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, of course it's science fiction. So it's kind of, you know, there's some parts of it that are a little over the top, but it's, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's two radioactive monsters kind of, or one radioactive dinosaur and a giant monkey fighting each other. So it's like how grounded in reality are we really going to be here? And and I will say as someone who hasn't seen the first Godzilla or Skull Island, I feel like they did a really good job of setting up the world in a play in a way that I could understand the rules of that reality. Yeah. Which is another thing that we should talk about too, because as a, you know, so there's four movies in the now, you know, coined WB Monsterverse. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, did it make sense to you as a, you know, yeah, as a yeah. as a person who's only seen half of the movies? Like, yeah. So, and that's that's something to consider too. Is you know, I don't really necessarily, I like, I and I even told Holly that I said I don't really feel like you're going to need to see like Skull Island or, um, you know, like she ha- we have seen King of the Monsters. I've seen all of them, but Holly has seen uh, King of the Monsters and then 
uh, this one. I've ridden uh, the Skull Island ride. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> uh, yeah, it counts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so you know, if you're on the fence about watching it, um, and because you're like, oh, I haven't seen the other movies, you know, you could definitely watch it. You could jump in and watch it, and then maybe if you're like, oh, that was really good, you can go and watch Skull Island or whichever other movies you haven't you haven't seen. They're all. I, I think that they're all enjoyable in their own way. And, um, you know, it's something to kind of just chill out and it's a good popcorn flick for sure. Yeah. So. Do you think that there are going to be more of those MonsterVerse movies? I, I hope so. And I hope what they do at some point, I, I don't know how they would they would actually incorporate this in a way that would make sense. But I think it'd be super cool to have Godzilla and Kong and any other monsters that they want to have for them to fight. And also the... Um, uh, the, oh my gosh, I can't think of the the characters' names, like the robots or whatever. But from Pacific Rim, um, if they had the the um, robots from Pacific Rim, um, to to kind of like come in as well. Like I know like people control them and everything, but uh, yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, like and then oh the Jaegers is what they're called, and like if if maybe like some of the kaiju from from pacific rim Mm -hmm. where because i think it's all like they connect it pretty easily i feel like maybe you know have some of the kaiju from pacific rim and then the jaegers like come in to help godzilla and kong so it's like the jaegers godzilla kong and they fight just a bunch of kaiju i think that'd be pretty tight and you really don't have to i mean uh, i would probably i feel like that would the action and that would be pretty epic to where you wouldn't even really need to have a whole lot of story just tie them together kind of loosely and then just have it kind of have them kind of wreak havoc for two hours. <laughs> I think it'd be pretty cool. I mean, if we can do it with movies like The Raid, where it's just two hours of nonstop martial arts stuff, like, I mean, I feel John like, Wick, I feel like yeah. maybe we could do it. And I feel like maybe I'm going back on what I said earlier about, like, you have to have some sort of plot. Like, I don't know. You could maybe release a two-hour-long version of, of them just fighting, and I think yeah. it'd be pretty cool. But Oh, speaking of um, martial arts, we also just watched uh, Martial Law 2. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, we did yeah. watch that. I can't believe I forgot. So yeah. Anyway, surprise! <laughs> surprise! You get a bonus now. A bonus. Um. So yeah, martial law too. Um. This is part of a two pack that I got from uh from Vinegar Syndrome uh over there, um Black Friday sale. And um. So, f- uh, first things first. I enjoyed both martial law movies. Um. I thought they mm-hmm. were they were both really good. Uh. This one is from 1999, directed by a guy named Kurt Anderson, and um. What's interesting about this movie is that um, the some of the same characters uh, are in um, the <laughs> are in the movie. So there's a guy named Sean Thompson who is in the first movie, um, and so that's his character named Sean Thompson. But he's played by a uh, a guy in the in this movie. He's played by a guy named. Um, or excuse me, in the, in the first, first movie. movie. Sorry, let's yeah. get this straight. In the first movie, it's a little confusing. First movie, he uh, Sean Thompson is played by a guy named Chad McQueen, and in the second movie, he's played by an entirely different actor. So it's the same character, different, actor. but a completely different actor. And this Soap guy's name is style. Jeff Wincott, and they don't really like explain it or elaborate in the movie at all. Um, but there is a guy, uh, excuse me, a girl named uh, Billy Blake who is played by Cynthia Rothrock and she's this pretty uh, epic martial arts star and everything. And from my understanding, she was a really popular kind of like in demand mm-hmm. um, martial arts uh, star in the eighties and nineties. And these were filmed, these movies were filmed in the early late eighties, early nineties. And um, so anyway, 
the story in this one is basically Sean and Billy are the, are these undercover cops and they're obviously really good at, at martial arts and stuff. Uh, and so they're investigating the death of, of a cop and they sort of uncover this ring of um, corruption. And there's this nightclub um, that <laughs> there's this guy in this in the movie. Uh, his name is Spencer. Uh, and he's, he has the, uh, or not Spencer. I'm sorry. His name is Tanner. And this guy has the biggest neck I have oh ever seen my in my entire life. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. It looks like a tree trunk. Anyway, that's just a little bonus for you. So, I don't know how they found collars that would go around his neck. It was crazy. Yeah. I don't understand. Wild. Anyway. He talks like this. It's <laughs> a really weird voice. So there's a guy, a character named Spencer and they're in his right hand man, Tanner. And, and they are kind of the, the, like, they're always at this nightclub. They kind of own it and do their like, um, do all their kind of business and stuff there. All their like, but, um, it doesn't um, really say what kind of business they do. Yeah. It's, exactly. it, it is pretty vague in, in parts. Mm-hmm. I think that it's probably got something to do with drugs and, yeah. and you know, whatever. And so basically the, the nightclub is almost kind of like a, um, like a, uh, in, uh not embezzling, but, what is it called? Um, laundering. Yeah. The, yeah. They're kind of, they're kind of using it as a front for, for other mm-hmm. things. And, and there's like all these sort of corrupt cops that are in on it and all this kind of stuff. And so obviously Sean and, and Billy want to go in and take these guys down once they kind of realize what's going on. Um, so long story short, Billy goes undercover uh, to try to infiltrate the crime ring. She actually gets a job at the the um, nightclub where this is happening. And then um, everything kind of sets up there and there's a pretty insane finale and there's like lots of lots of action throughout the movie it's only an hour and a half and there's like tons of fight scenes and the martial arts and stuff you know i feel like for a relatively low budget movie it's got some pretty good Mm -hmm. fight scenes and some of the acting was actually pretty good um so you know i think i ended up giving this one about three actually wow i gave it four stars i surprised myself look at you so yeah I thought, I mean, you know, sometimes I kind of rate things like uh, I wouldn't give it four stars as far as the story, but I kind of gave it four stars as, as entertainment value. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was a really entertaining movie. Um, actually, I, I think I enjoyed it more than the first one. Um, and the first one was pretty good. But yeah, but I, I thought this one was actually, you know, even a little bit better than the than the first one, which is, you know, in a, in a late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. low budget B movie action franchise. The second one being better is pretty um you know, unheard of, yeah. <laughs> I feel like. So anyway, if you're looking for something kind of cool to kill the time, um, yeah, this is a good one. Thanks for reminding me that we watch it. Yeah. Cause I kind of, yeah. I forgot that we actually watched it together. So yeah. also, um, for you, maybe people who used to like the teenage drama scene on the CW back in the day, you <laughs> might, you might notice, uh, Spencer, I, I kept watching the movie and I was like, this guy looks so familiar to me. He looks so familiar. And then uh, it was Paul Johannesson who plays Dan on One Tree Hill, and he plays a pretty crappy person on that show too. So <laughs> it tracks. Uh, no offense, Paul, but <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Paul, if you're listening, Paul, <laughs> you play crappy characters, but you're probably a really nice person. I don't know. I can't really make that judgment, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're gonna end it there. Uh, <laughs> I feel like so, I always say some really weird thing at the end of the episode. That's how we just close it whenever that's you're how we, here. Just Holly says a weird joke, and then we're like, "Okay, bye." Holly thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, that is the end of that. Is truly the end of this episode. You got a little, uh, little fake ending there because I uh, forget things. You're and talking about martial arts, and I was like, "Yeah, talking about martial." Yep. So, anyway. 
Yeah, that is actually truly the ending of this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to uh, rate us and subscribe and share the podcast if you are enjoying uh, these episodes. And um, also, I kind of mentioned this weekly or not weekly, whenever we have an episode, (laughs) so yearly. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram as well. Um, I've changed the the handle and everything, so it's much easier to find than it was before. It's all one word. It's just welcome to primetime podcast. Uh, so you can follow us on Instagram and chat about movies there. Um, but yeah, that is it for now. We'll be back soon with another one. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.